What's up, everybody? Back with you today, the Blue Gold Sports Podcast. Two and three is where West Virginia football stands following their bye week, and they have a big opportunity ahead of them this Thursday at home against Baylor Mountaineers. Lost to Texas in a pretty ugly fashion. Uh, Just really couldn't get anything going. No rhythm on either side of the ball. And here they are now sitting... In a must-win game, I think. I think you have you have a team that's desperate for a win, desperate for a Big 12 win, and you get a shot to do that at home, return home for the first time in, I think, about a month, a little over a month almost. So, big opportunity on Thursday night. Just kind of get your overall thoughts, Aaron, first on Texas, and then we'll move into Baylor. Yeah, the Texas game was was uh, not ideal for the Mountaineers. Um, you know, as one could, uh, you know, as anyone could really dissect. I mean, I think 38-20 doesn't even really – do, do justice to what the game was. I mean, I don't think the Mountaineers were were even – I don't think they deserve to be within 18 points, to be honest with you. That first quarter, first two quarters was just uh, pretty pitiful. Um, you know, uh, the secondary, you know, a lot of corners getting left on islands, and, man, they just – they couldn't they couldn't keep up with guys like, like Worthy and uh, Jatavion Sanders, the tight end. And, you know, they just – you know, one-on-one matchups, they were losing about, about each one of them. So, you know, uh, you know looking forward to Baylor, uh, Thursday night kick, um, in Morgantown, first home game in about a month. And, you know, they're going to have to step up. Um, but it's going to be a team effort. I mean, obviously, you don't lose a game like that and get dominated on all phases of the ball just by, you know, a bad secondary. So um, they got a lot of cleaning up to do. Yeah, for me personally, I felt like after West Virginia's second drive of the game, uh, game was over. I mean, you have a short field after you get a th- basically a three and out. Texas got a first down, but you forced like a fourth and 24 you force a punt, you get the ball inside the 50, and you can't do anything with it. Uh, two drops on third and fourth down, and then Texas goes down the field against your defense and scores 14 nothing. All, all the momentum at home for them. And from there on, it was just kind of – it was a bully fest. I think Texas basically bullied the Mountaineers. In other news, the biggest news of the game for West Virginia purposes, C.J. Donaldson. Um, everyone's aware he got hurt, knee to the neck area. He was carted off, went to the hospital – uh, it didn't look good there, uh, to be honest with you, but he will be out for Baylor. Neil Brown announced that last week during the bye week. He reiterated that again today in his weekly press conference, and that's a big loss. 29% of West Virginia's carries have been from CJ this season. He's averaging 6.9 yards per carry, so big loss, and you're facing a Baylor front that, man, they're, like, they're good at stopping the run, second in Big 12 in, in uh, rushing defense, and you're going to be playing – in conditions where you need to run the ball, it looks like it will be raining on Thursday night here in Morgantown. Um, looks like it's going to be a kind of a dogfight. Uh, it's not going to be the best weather to throw the ball around 50 times. So a lot of attention will be on Tony Mathis. A lot of attention will be on Justin Johnson because Neil Brown said those two guys will get the ball. Um, he did talk about Jalen Anderson saying Jalen Anderson, if needed, will play. But most likely it'll be the two. So big shoes to fill. But I, I think those two guys are certainly up to the challenge. Yeah, I mean, it is a big loss. I mean, C.J. Donaldson being a true freshman and really just kind of, you know, being, you know, um, just taking the the season, uh, taking the team by uh, by notice with, um, you know, his his performance against Pitt. He kind of opened eyes and was like, man, who is this guy? And he followed up with a great game against Townsend, um, a good game against Virginia Tech, and, like, he showed that he's not just a one-game wonder. So it hurts to lose him. Um, but we saw against Virginia Tech that Justin Johnson can step up and, you know, he can get downfield. He's quick. He's shifty. Um, but you're going to need you're you're going to need Tony Mathis to step up. I mean, he's been here for a couple of years now. 
um, towards the end of last season, he established himself as that main back. Obviously, we didn't know about C.J. Johnson at the time uh, during the, you know, Kansas and Texas game last season. But, um, you know, he had a fumble against Virginia Tech. Neil kind of, uh, you know, kind of sat him down for the rest of that game. But he's going to have to really take the load here. Um, and he's going to have to, you know, obviously it's not all on him. Obviously, the uh, the offensive front's got to got to do their work. But you're right. I mean, in a rainy condition against a Dave Aranda defense, you know, you're going to have to you're going to have to do something. Um, something's got to give because you're not going to just be able to, you know, go shotgun and just throw it downfield all, all day long. Yeah, the recipe doesn't look too good for West Virginia. You had seven drops against Texas. It's going to be a wet track on Thursday. Um, so wet balls plus receivers who drop the balls um, and without your star running back could be setting up for disaster. But I think what like – the thing about Baylor, which I think gives West Virginia an advantage, is they're kind of – it's not like they have star power. Texas had star power across the board. Baylor doesn't have those guys that are four, like five-star, five-star, five-star. They are just a well-coached, disciplined football team. And I think that is easier to beat than it is to beat talent. I think you can beat a well-coached team if you play well and you are well-coached and it is easier to overcome a than it is to overcome a talent deficit like you had when you faced Texas. I also think being at home under the lights, uh, big time, obviously. I don't expect it to be a sellout by any means. Thursday night makes it hard. Um, 50 strong. There's 50,000 there. I think it's a pretty good crowd for a Thursday night game in the rain when you're two and three. So uh, just talk, kind of talking about, how this game lines up, we talked about the matchup between running the ball. Um, West Virginia secondary against Texas, uh, the Longhorns passed for 336 and four touchdowns. It's the second time this season West Virginia has allowed more than 300-plus uh, passing yards. The other time was Pitt. And if you go back to – and that is through five games. And if you go back to last season, they allowed that twice. And obviously – well, not obviously, but of course, one of those times was to Baylor and the other was to Maryland. So – um this defense has certainly regressed from a year ago. Uh, I don't think it's hard to really say, but I mean, you played, I think it was eight or nine guys in the secondary and Charles Woods will still be out. Neil Brown did say today. Um, it was actually a little piece of information. Charles Woods uh, is quote, at least a week away. So maybe get him back for Texas tech. I really think that TCU game on the 29th will be the one that he is there for, but until then, you've got you've. It's not like you're going and getting someone or trading for someone. Like like you've got what you got. You got to develop them. So hopefully, younger guys, Andrew Wilson, Lamp, um, Mumu Ben Wahad, uh, play play better. Uh, Wesley McCormick's got to play better. He's been he's been awful. And Rashad Ajayi, Neil Brown said he was impressed with looking at the tape. Uh, said he was the best guy in the secondary. So hopefully, he can continue to take a step forward. But there's a lot of question marks and. Luckily, they're not playing Xavier Worthy again, but they are playing some dudes that can hurt you. And yeah. haven't allowed 300-plus yards through the air twice already through five games after doing it twice all last year doesn't doesn't bode well going forward. No, it doesn't. It's, it's pretty clear that the defense just isn't what the Mountaineers had last year. And I think, you know, maybe for reasons I don't know um, that were predictable going into the season, I think the big loss you thought was, you know, was a key messador leaving, hitting the portal and going to Miami. And I'm sure, you know, his presence, you know, is missed to some some extent. But I mean, you still got Dante Stills and um, you know, Jordan Jefferson and, you know, you got guys up on the front. Now maybe they're not playing up to their 
their uh, potential right at the moment. But I mean, the secondary is, is, is not great at all. Um, and neither is the linebacker play, but yeah, I think you're right. Like, uh, you know, Wesley McCormick hasn't, his, his game hasn't been there. Um, I've noticed Marcus Floyd isn't, isn't in the right spot a whole lot, you know, um, you know, it's good to hear that, that, you know, Neil thanks a little bit of Rashad Ajayi. Um, you know, he's not without, you know, fall either, but um, I do think to your point, I mean, Texas, Texas is a more talented team than I think we gave them credit for. I mean, we knew they, they were talented, but they're going out there with, um, without, without Quinn Ewers, excuse me, and uh, backup quarterback and, you know, card through for 300 yards, three touchdowns and zero picks. They got talent, you know, Xavier Worthy, he got past whoever he wanted to get past, you know, whatever he wanted to do, he could do. To Tavion Sanders, I didn't, to be honest with you, I didn't know who that was before the game. Um, you know, they showed that, you know, they're big, they're physical and they're fast. And, you know, Baylor, uh, you know, Blake Shapin, uh, he, he showed what he had last year at the end of the season. But, um, you know, I wonder if he can really pick apart the Mountaineer defense kind of like Texas did. I sure hope not, uh, considering, you know, it's in Morgantown. Uh, you're not dealing with, you know, the Austin crowd and it's a Thursday night and it's right probably going to be raining. But right now I don't have much confidence in that secondary. So I can't confidently say that Blake Shapin isn't going to go out there and throw three or four touchdowns. Yeah, a couple of things I want to get to based off what you said. First, I'm going to go I'm going to talk about Texas real quick. A little off topic. I'm going to talk about the Longhorns. The Longhorns, if Quinn Ewers is healthy, they beat Alabama. They probably beat Texas Tech and they're probably ranked within the top five in the country right now. So. Like they just they just rolled Oklahoma and mm -hmm. they did that in a rivalry game in a big stage and that was with Quinn Ewers. So more than likely, if Quinn Ewers does not leave that Alabama game early, they beat Alabama. More than likely, Quinn if Quinn Ewers plays against Texas Tech, they beat Texas Tech. So the, they are a Quinn Ewers injury away from being a top five team in the country. So I I think you're right. Like the Texas deserves credit and they are a really good team and they are on the brink and they possibly could be the best team in the big 12 this year. And I would not be surprised to see them end up in Dallas at all on the flip point, uh, Blake shape, Blake shape, excuse me, you've got to make him make throws that are uncomfortable and you've got to make him turn the ball over. The best thing Baylor does is that they protect him. And when you keep a quarterback upright and you keep him that pocket clean, he can pick apart defenses. And the problem West Virginia has had is they can't get to the quarterback and their secondary falls apart. So you've got to get pressure on the quarterback, make him make rush throws, make him have to move outside the pocket. Um, he's not the most mobile guy in the world, but he can run. Um, so you've just, you've just got to contain him, but you've also got to get pressure on him. And um, against Oklahoma state, he passed for 345 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions, 28 of 40 passing. So that's that's I mean that's big time against a good defense. So you've gotta you've gotta make them turn the ball over. And as we saw, they lost that game. So um Baylor's susceptible to losing. Um another part of this Baylor offense I want to talk about is fourth downs. They love to go for it on fourth downs. Um that was a big topic of the conversation between coordinators and Neil Brown today. Against Oklahoma State, last game three of five on fourth down on the season there, 10 of 16. So that's a lot of times they're moving the ball on fourth down. And if it wasn't for Texas Tech going for eight fourth downs against Texas, they'd be first in the conference by a long shot. So um, I think, like, there's a strategy to going forward on fourth down, I think. I think there's a lot of analytics that these coaches have access to that just we don't, obviously. But West Virginia has struggled to get off the field all year this year. And when you have a team that can – make you play four downs instead of three, like 
it's I I just don't see a scenario where that's good for this defense. It's not like you have a physical defense where you're going to be challenging people. It's more of a they have four downs to get ten yards, and that could be a problem. Yeah, I mean, in in today's game, you look more and you know more and more coaches are going for it on fourth down, even on like you know not just like the opponent's thirty-five yard line and in, in kind of that no man's land, you know, as some say that you you see people you know going for it consistently in their own territory. Uh, and midfield and, and stuff like that. And I think Dave Rand is one of those guys. Clearly, Texas Tech is one of those programs. And, you know, um, this Mountaineer defense, I just – I don't know, you know. If, if you know, if Baylor moves the ball to the 50 or the Mountaineers 45 and they make them play four downs instead of three, I just don't know if there's going to be that guy that, that steps up and makes a play. Obviously, we know Dante Stills could, you know, Todd Austin, some of these guys could. But, like, right now they're not getting much pressure on the quarterback. Obviously, Baylor can can protect pretty well for Shapin. Um, and like, who's going to make the play? I mean, who's going to be that that ball hawk that that goes after the quarterback? Or you know, if somebody is open, you know, if it's a fourth and two, you know, and somebody's open for a, a four yard slant to to move the chains, who's going to step up and make that play? I right now, I just don't know. I mean, the only person outside of Dante that I can really label as like a ball hawk just this season, not previous seasons, is is Lee Koba. But you know, he's I think he's better in run defense. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not really sure how well he can do in, in the pass defense, especially if it's like fourth and five and they're, you know, going to throw over the middle for 10 yards. I'm not sure how much he can do there. Um, you know, so the corners, secondary, safety, they're going to have to step up. Um, you know, throwing for 345 yards, what Shapin did against Oklahoma State, that's pretty impressive. Granted, he threw two interceptions, but, like, are the Mountaineers going to get two picks on him? You know, I, I just don't know. Yeah, I mean, like, let's be real here. West Virginia has forced three turnovers. Three turnovers. One was the interception late. Their only interception. They have one interception through five games. That is yeah. not, not, not good. And two forced fumbles. One was against Towson, and the other was not. You didn't cause it. Pitt just dropped a ball right into your hands, basically at Pitt. So it's not you forced. Basically, you you've realistically forced against a good team one turnover this year, and that like. That's just like it's even especially when your offense goes on long drives. They don't have a ton of possessions. Like you've got to steal possessions like that. You've got to get your hands on balls, and you've just got to you've got to be better if you're this defense. And they know it, and that's the problem. Is everyone knows it? It's just a matter of going out and being better. Hopefully, the bye week helps some. I know younger guys they scrimmaged three times this past week, so hopefully that helps. But like you just don't don't know. Um, like. If Baylor hangs with Oklahoma State like they did, Oklahoma State's like probably the best defense in this league. And so, whew, um, it could be a tough task on Thursday night. But crazier things have happened. Um, and this defense shown it can play well, especially against Pitt. So, hopefully that turns around. But they're, Baylor's going to want to run the ball. They're going to be physical. They run three tight end sets. They have a freshman running back. Richard Reese, who went for 85 yards and touchdown against Oklahoma State. So they're going to run the ball. You've just got to stop that. I mean, they've proven they can stop that. They played great against the run against Pitt, great against the run against Virginia Tech, not great against Kansas, and the whole defense fell apart against Texas. So I don't really want to even talk about that. But I think that's what it's going to come down to. Baylor's going to run, want to run the ball. You're going to want to run the ball. It's who can run the ball better on Thursday night will more than likely win the game. Yeah, obviously Baylor is going to want to run the ball. And, you know, I think – Obviously, with the defense struggling, we talk so much about the secondary, and, and we should. I mean, we should after that that Texas game. 
um, and only forcing one real, you know, authentic turnover against a good team, we should talk about it. But I think if you want to beat Baylor and you want to stop that run, um, you know, that rushing attack, I think it's going to have to come down to the leaders. Obviously, you know, we're talking a lot about the secondary and clearly none of those guys are the leaders because a lot of them are transferred from, you know, Colorado State, FCS programs, you know, with James Madison and, and you know, North Dakota State. I think Jazier Cox is from there. So I think some of these leaders on the line um, are going to have to step up and, and be the leaders. The Dante Stills of the world, uh, Taj Austin, Jordan Jefferson, even even a guy like Sean Martin. I know he's younger, but, um, you know, we don't have much faith in the secondary right now. So I think to start out, it's going to take getting some pressure on the quarterback on third down, you know, plugging the gaps on second down, maybe second down of five to, like, make sure they don't, you know, move the chains on first and second down, you know, make them play third and fourth down. Um, so I think the leaders need to step up, and hopefully the secondary can follow suit after that. Question for you, just after the bye week, kind of a general overarching question for the season. What is, through five weeks, what is your biggest bright spot from this team? And besides the secondary, we neither of us can answer the secondary here, what is the thing that you want to see improve the most? It can be specific, it can be generally speaking, but besides the secondary, what do you want to see grow the most and what has been the biggest bright spot for you through the first five games? Um, honestly, biggest bright spot, obviously, my, my mind immediately goes to C.J. Donaldson. But, like, going forward, you know, obviously he's not going to play in the next game. He got injured pretty bad. So I want to take a different route than that. I, I just think um, the consistent, consistency of J.T. Daniels. Um, he didn't have his best game against Texas, missed a couple throws. You know, he's not without fault. But he has been consistent. He's been a leader. He's made a lot of the throws. Hasn't made very many dumb throws, but only a, a, only a couple picks on the year, and one of them obviously wasn't his fault. So I'm going to go JT Daniels on that. You know, I have a lot of confidence in him going forward. I have a lot of confidence that he's going to make plays rather than, um, you know, making errors. Um, and something that needs to be improved on, I think, is kind of both sides of the ball. Is just somebody's got to step up. You know, on the on the offensive side of the ball, you can count on JT Daniels. You can count on Bryce Ford Wheaton and maybe Sam James to a degree. But what else past that? And maybe not even Sam James. He dropped, you know, two or three passes against Texas. You know, you thought Michael Laughlin was a pretty steady tight end. He's dropped two or three big plays. I know he's injured right now. Yeah, but real quick on Michael's injury. Yeah. Um, no official word. I, if I had to put money on it, I don't think he plays this week. Um, tests came back. It looks like it's that knee again. Um, obviously, you hope for the best because he's worked his butt off to get back multiple times. But unfortunate the way it happened but i doubt he plays this week even though neil brown said he does not have a status for him yet yeah um you know it, it sucks to see i mean he's, he's had so many injuries but you know he's um you know nobody's without fault at this point and on the defensive side of the ball i mean you're just you're just begging for somebody to step up you know the numbers say you know probably as far as tackles go lee cove is playing pretty consistent um, but when it comes down down to the wire, I mean, nobody's nobody's making that play. Nobody's being a ball hawk, you know. Nobody's being, um, you know, a Rasul Douglas, a Kaiser White, a David Long, somebody to just, you know, you know, be a dog out there. You know, always always be where the ball is and you know making a play. And you know, nobody's been doing that. Obviously, Jacoby Spells did against Virginia Tech, but um, he's a true freshman. Uh, you know, somebody else is going to need to step up at some point. Um, you know, going forward because, and you know, Virginia Tech's not even a, a good team with you know, not even a, a very good quarterback. So Virginia moving Tech deeper. Virginia just got rolled by Pitt. <laughs> yeah. No, they're not a good football team. I mean, not even close. Pitt so, lost to Georgia Tech at home. So, yeah. 
Yeah, it's a ripple effect. And, you know, going forward, getting deeper into Big 12 play, you know, facing teams like you're going to face Oklahoma State. Texas Tech looks pretty good. Kansas State looks pretty good. There's no easy game. There's not a single game. If you have to look at where can West Virginia get wins, you have to – like, you have to squint pretty hard. Like, you think maybe on the road against Iowa State, but then you've never played well on the road against Iowa State. Then you think, oh, TCU at home, right? No, TCU might be – have a top 10 offenses here in the country. And then you think Oklahoma at home, well – Oklahoma has serious talent. Then you think, oh, Texas Tech on the – well, Texas Tech just beat Texas. So the Big 12 is deep, 1 through 10, and you might – you you're kind of looking at yourselves right now if you're West Virginia as the ninth or 10th best team, which is not a place you want to be in. Yeah, I don't think there's any more Big 12 games that they're that they're favored. I could be wrong on that, but, you know, there, there's no guaranteed wins. Um, and at this, this point, you're just crying for somebody to step up and make a play, you know despite the team not being great, there's going to be games where it's going to continue to be close. I mean, somebody told me that they thought Baylor was going to roll the Mountaineers this week. I said, no, I don't think so. Um, I think it's going to be a close game that, you know, that Baylor wins by a couple plays where it's like, you know, well, what if the Mountaineers would have made that play? What if, you know, there would have been this call made by the coach? You know, I think, I feel like it's going to be one of those games. So in those games, as, you know, as we get deeper into the big 12 season, somebody has to make a play. Um, Somebody has to be a player and, you know, third, fourth down, fourth quarter, late, overtime maybe, even like a game against Kansas, you know, instead of doing a stupid play, like a 15-yard rough in the passer penalty, you know, give me something that's going to excite the fans. We haven't had much of that this year. Yeah, if you think about it, if not for that penalty, Kansas doesn't host college game to this past week, and they might not be ranked. But A lot of coulda, woulda, shoulda. Yeah. Uh, for me, though, um, I'll go bright spot first. I mean, I just think – you could say, I mean, you talked about the improved quarterback play, especially from what we had last year here. Um, but for me, I'm going to go a different route. I'm going to go the development of Caden Prather. I think okay. he has become a really good all-around receiver. And next year, Bryce Ford Wheaton will not be here. So you're going to have to have someone fill his shoes. I think Caden Prather will do that. And he's shown his ability to not only grow when he's doing – receiving things such as catching the ball, running routes. He has been great in pass blocking. He's been great in making smart football decisions. Like the way he made that block on that 84, 82 yard run of seat, like it's just like, that's text. Like that's, it was picture perfect. So he's done so many good things this year and he's starting to get rewarded with touchdowns. He had one against Texas. Um, He had, I think he had one or two against Kansas um like he's had he's had he's found the end zone this year and i'm happy for him because there was a lot of expectations he was a four-star recruit out of Mar- like out of the state of maryland um a lot of expectations and he's starting to rise and meet those expectations which i am super happy for and he is only a true sophomore so uh, a lot of football left for him hopefully here um as far as my biggest disappointment besides the secondary it's got to be this offensive line for me man like they've played well and they've done well, but, like, there's just been times where JT's just getting, like, it's an uncomfortable pocket. And JT's not Lamar Jackson. He can't roll out and run. He's not the mobile type. Like, he's a true pocket passer. And if you can't create a good pocket for him, it's going to be hard for this offense to, like, go. I think a lot of times against Texas, JT's throwing off his back foot. He had to – he was, like, he wasn't – he's – you have to have a strong base to throw the ball well. And there's been times where this offensive line, who was supposed to be great, who returned everybody, who has great communication, who has really good guys, like, they've got to be better. And if you want to go win some games, pull off three, four, five, six wins here, like, 
it's going to start up front on both ends of the both sides of the ball. And defensive line, like they've been bad too. Like Dante, like there's been days where I don't even know Dante's on the field. Like yep. you're the man, dude. Like you've got to step up. You've got to play better. So that's probably my biggest disappointment is the offense and defensive line. I think you got a great point there. I mean, the you know they say a lot. Football is uh, football games won uh, in the trenches. You know, at the line of scrimmage. Um, I think you're right. I think the, the offensive line has been good, but not good enough. Um, you know, you got Zach Frazier has been here for multiple years from West Virginia, uh, a great leader. You know, he's been a great a great offensive line. You know, paired with Doug Nestor from the state, uh, former four or five star from West Virginia. Uh, you're returning a lot of guys. You know, why my own four star from West Virginia. Um, the only real, you know, maybe hole there was like the Jaquay Hubbard, Brandon Yates battle. Um, Brandon Yates, you know, got beat a couple times last year, but before the season started, man, I was confident for the five linemen. Um, and you know, not to just hate on them because they've been fine, but five's not good enough at this point. Um, you know, the games are won in the trenches, and I don't think I think they really showed that they're better than like Virginia Tech, but. That's about it. Obviously, Townsend. And, but like, fine, and as, as you say, fine is not good enough, especially when your defense allows so many points. Oh, my gosh. Like, yeah. It's one thing if your defense is really good, so you don't have to be as great. But this offense literally almost has to be perfect if they want to win games. And that's – and, like, that sucks to say, but the difference in execution levels and, like, the way this these offense versus defense works, like – the difference is vast between how good and how how good this offense is and how good this defense is. And so if you're the offensive line, like every possession matters even more because your defense allows so many points, especially against good teams. And you're only facing good teams from here on out. Like, whew, uh, a lot of a lot of question marks going forward. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk picks or actually one more thing history real quick between these two teams, West Virginia is five and zero against Baylor and Morgantown. This is their third Thursday night game. If you think about it, um, since they joined the big 12, 2018 at home, West Virginia rolled 2019 in Waco, the Mountaineers lost a close one. And then this will be the third time Mountaineers are six and four all time against the bears. Um, Picks, I'll go first here. Penn State at Michigan. We got four or five games this week, including West Virginia's. Uh, Penn State at Michigan. Michigan, they're getting six and a half points at home. I think Michigan looks really good. I'm going to take the Wolverines at home. Um, all roads lead to Michigan versus Ohio State for basically for the right to go to the college football playoff. Yeah, give me Michigan. They got a, a consistent run game, and I can't stand Penn State. So. Um, Alabama at Tennessee. Alabama survived a scare. Tennessee's been playing really good football. It's in Knoxville. Bryce, um, what's his name? Is Bryce Young playing? Yeah, that's the biggest question. Uh, Bryce Young's status is up in the air. Alabama's getting seven and a half right now. I think Tennessee covers if I'm a betting man, which I'm not. But, whew, I don't know. Alabama loses games like this in October on the road. I'm going to take Tennessee. I really want to take Tennessee. I've watched them a couple times. They looked really good against Florida. Hendon Hooker's a playmaker. I just I, I can't go away from Alabama. So I'll go Alabama by like 10 points. Um, what could be a battle to possibly get a leg up on the way to Dallas for the Big 12? Oklahoma State at TCU. Um TCU's, I think, been besides Kansas, obviously, has been the surprise, the surprise team in the Big Twelve. They, I don't think there were many expectations for this team, and they played really well. Their offense is really, really good. 
TCU's at home, three and a half point favorites. Um, I don't know. I feel like there's two sides of this for me. I feel like TCU's luck has to run out at some point, but also like uh, TCU's really good and and they're at home. But I'm going to take Oklahoma State. I still think Oklahoma State's a team to beat in the Big 12 right now, so I'm going to take the Cowboys. I'm going to go Oklahoma State too. Uh, they're a disciplined football team. Spencer Sanders has been there for a while. I just I just like that team. Um, TCU showed me a lot, but you know I'm I'm not still I'm still not convinced on 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 Max Duggan being you know the guy that leads TCU to the promised land. So I'm going to go Oklahoma State by like three. USC Utah Utah at home three and a half point favorites there. Whew, Utah lost a rough one. I think they were looking ahead a little bit to, from UCLA this week, but I think they bounced back. USC's due for a loss. I think USC's a little bit overrated. I'm going to take Utah at home. Yeah, I think they're both overrated, to be completely honest with you. Um, I'm going to go USC. Jordan Addison will have a big day. Um, Utah, I liked them last year, but they're overrated this year. Lost last week. Uh, they didn't play well against Florida. I don't think Florida was all that. So I'm going to go USC. And then finally, West Virginia Baylor. Um, bottom line is this for me. If it's raining, West Virginia loses this game because they're going to have to run the ball, and I think Baylor will be better at stopping the run than West Virginia will be at running the ball. Forecasts a little up in the air, obviously, still three days out. It is Monday night right now. But I'm going to take Baylor, and I think the Bears win 27 – I'm going to go 27-23, Baylor. I'm going to go Baylor. Um, might regret this later, but I'm going a little bit more high scoring. Not a shootout, but I'm going to go 38-30 Baylor, I think. Um, some mistakes are going to cost WV the game kind of like usual. And I think the Mountaineers will you know, get a touchdown late and I think they'll get the ball and try to kind of have like a, a desperation to get a touchdown and a two-point conversion, but they, I don't think they'll get it. Well, that is it for us on this Baylor preview. If you made it this far, we do appreciate you listening. I'm Wesley Shoemaker, joined by Aaron Parker. We look forward to talking to you guys again soon. And this is the Blue Gold Sports Podcast.